All right, all right. What up? This is Stuart Anderson, and this is the Miduele Podcast, episode 70. You are going to hear from Sky Monch, the ninth-ranked female triathlete in the world. Sky is local. She actually lives in Holiday, Utah, and we met her. I met her on a church fireside uh, during COVID, and she was brought on to this fireside with youth, and I couldn't believe that she actually lived in our neighborhood. It was so cool to hear from her and to hear her story. So on the podcast, you'll hear her story, how she transitioned from a professional career into a pro triathlete, some of her secrets to training, and some advice to the team on training and balance and things that she does to be so successful. Grateful for Sky, thankful uh, for 2023 incoming. We hope we can ride with her and spend more time getting to know her and, and building a community with her. So thank you, Sky. Grateful to have you on the show couple things we're looking forward to one team camp april 13th through 16th down in st george so mark your calendars for that find some reservations for a hotel or a condo or whatever Uh, but the team will be there in st george april 13th through the 16th it is going to be an awesome opportunity to be together as well as to participate in incredible rides incredible training and once again Uh, looking to one-up our raffle from last year where we gave away so much stuff, including a Ventum bike. So uh, looking forward to Team Camp. Jake Cook is going to have some updates for us about Team Camp coming up, so look for those. Finally, the team store is open, so the 2023 kits are up and live. The team store has everything from Volet Custom, and will be shipped to us right around the end of January. So it'll be a good opportunity to get all your gear for spring. We'll probably do one other kit order for 2023. So two orders, maybe three. But this is an awesome opportunity to uh, freshen up your kits. The red store is open again as as well as the black store. So both those colors are live for the team. Uh, So place your orders and then don't forget to pay your team fee before you buy kits. This is kind of the time when we re-up joining the team and pay the team fee to make sure that everything runs smoothly with us. Part of that team fee also includes the team camp fee as well as our Five Canyons event that's coming up in August. So uh, before you buy kits, pay your team fee. We'd be most grateful. All right. Enjoy this episode with Sky Monch. Grateful for her and thankful for Cheryl Jordan who joined me on this episode as a co-host. Hope you enjoy. Thanks. All right, what's up? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Me Dwelle Podcast. I'm Stuart Anderson, joined by Cheryl Jordan. Hey, Cher. Hello. And Sky Monch. Hi, Sky. Hi. You got my name right. Thank you. Oh, how? give us the top pronunciation uh, botches on your name. Oh, my gosh. I should have kept my maiden name. Like, in hindsight, I should have kept my maiden name. I had no idea what I was getting into signing up for Monch. But I get it all... Um, Monek, like people just try Whoa. to reinvent it. Monek is probably the biggest one that I laugh at. You're like, are you calling to sell me something? Hang up immediately. <laughs> no good. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Hey, well, uh, we are so grateful to have Sky on. Um, we have, there's, Chair was overwhelmed by my Google Doc. So hopefully we're going to get, we're going to get, this is going to be a three hour podcast. This is going to be so it good. It might be, I might need snacks. In the <laughs> okay. <laughs> SIS morning. gel. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, if you don't know Sky, I'll just give a quick uh, introduction. You ready? Here it comes. We I first met you on like a giant youth fireside during COVID. 
it was a church fireside that somebody arranged, uh, devotional that Sky that Sky showed up at, and I'm like, dude, who is this Iron famous Iron Man speak? And then it turns out she lives right down the street from me, so it was very cool to find out she lives almost next door to my sister. Uh, but we, as a team, see her riding her purple trek in immigration, big cottonwood. And then she's very active on social media, which is uh, really fun to watch your journey there. And then Strava, I mean, we just stalk you on Cheryl's. Like we just found out like number one fan, like Strava, <laughs> the lurker. <laughs> she's ranked ninth overall triathlete in the world. And if you watch the Kona Ironman 2022, she competed in that and took ninth. In 2021, Sky won the Ironman Chattanooga by over 26 minutes, setting the course record as well as a new American record Ironman time of 8.34. What? Holy cow. Okay, so you're from Canada, right? Yeah. And moved from Canada to Washington when you were 12, and then to Utah where you graduated from Lehigh uh, High School. Mm -hmm. Be became a pro athlete. Uh, triath triathlete a few years ago. Do I say a few years ago? It was like 2016, right? Yeah. I mean, that doesn't seem that long ago, but I guess the, like, the years are starting to stack up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, trains full-time um, three, three times a day, just multiple training sessions per day, 25 to 30 hours a week, swims in the morning, followed by a bike session and then run later in the day, which is so cool. We, I see you all the time, but I just told chair before you got on, I'm going to try not to be like a, like a crazy fan, like a weirdo. Cause I, we, you should say hi. If you see me. You because, do? Yeah. Like I obviously see a lot of the same people out on the streets all okay. the time, but I have no idea who they are. I know. Unless I actually know them. So if you well, know who I am, you should say, Hey, okay. <laughs> well, I always see Hannah Finchamp. Yeah. I always up, see her too. And I'm always like, yeah, and I'm like, she probably thinks I'm such a. No, it's appreciated. I think okay. it's appreciated. Yeah. One thing about Sky, which is really fun, hopefully we'll talk about today, is how mentally and physically tough she is. In one of the articles that I read this morning, she's quoted as saying, hard work is more important than raw talent. Talent can be outworked. Just as I know personally, if I'm willing to put that hard work output I will do what I want to do, accomplish what I want to accomplish. I feel that everything that I've done in my life has been a result of hard work and it hasn't been easy and hasn't been handed to me at all. You can't dwell on bad things, only things you can't, things you can't control. That is so cool. Uh, honored to have you on the podcast today, Sky. Thanks for joining us. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me and uh, for the nice intro. Yeah. And Scott, if you didn't know, Chair has an illustrious uh, triathlete background. Chair, right? Not really. Oh, no. Okay. And I was kind of <laughs> wrapping up my triathlon career right when Sky was starting. So we didn't really overlap, but mine was an amateur career slash hobby, not this kind of level. But that's where it starts. That's where I started. That's where it starts. And it was yeah. a lot of fun. Very cool. Sky, I loved reading a few of the articles of how it all started for you. Can you maybe share a bit about your background history? Yeah, I can. And I okay. could probably talk forever, so I'll try to make it short. But <laughs> I didn't grow up an elite athlete at all, but I was very comfortable in the water, like grew up swimming all the time, um, knew how to ride a bike, you know, was a very active kid. And I really fell in love with running and endurance sport when I was 16. I ran a marathon with my neighbor. And 
that was just, that was the beginning of just being completely addicted to the endorphins and loving exercise of any kind. And which then developed more into wanting to push myself more and more and realizing like there was, there were outlets to kind of measure your athletic ability, you know, like races and cycling events and running events. And then, um, you know, I learned about triathlon somewhere along the way, but I didn't do a triathlon until, um, my second to last year in college, because I was super focused on school and paying for school and not going into any debt and all that. And I was paying for it all on my own. So I was really busy, like working and doing school. I was really busy balancing things, but every day it was like, I, I had to do something, whether it was go for a run or get out, go to the um, pool at BYU or even like the little gyms they had or whatever. I was just fully addicted. Like the <laughs> addicted sounds bad, but I just needed that outlet every day, right? That physical um, push myself for physical, mental, um, whatever we get from that. So in college, once I did my first triathlon, I knew it was something that I really wanted to do more of. And I, I did my first event on a friend's bike. So I knew I had to get my own bike and wetsuit and all the things like there's quite a bit that goes into triathlon, yes. <laughs> a lot of gear. So, um, my first triathlon was 2009. And then the next winter I did an internship with Ernst and Young and that was like a well-paying internship and I just knew I'm like okay after this I'm going to spreadsheet out my last year of school how much money I need for tuition and housing and all that and then I am going to buy a bike and a wetsuit like I just want everything so I can do a triathlon whenever I want so I did that and I remember in April, 2010, I spent like an entire Saturday, what felt like an entire Saturday at SBR sports down in Orem. <laughs> I don't know who the guy was, but he like, he spent the whole day with me, what it felt like the whole day. And I just got everything I needed. Um, and it felt like a lot of money at the time for me. And I guess back then it probably was more, but I spent $1,500 and I got everything wow. very, very entry level, everything probably, but you know, it felt like a lot to get, me. You can get a Garmin now for that. <laughs> Almost. No, you can. I'm sponsored by Garmin, you know? Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Nice plug. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I got everything I needed. And then I started just doing more local events, you know, sprints. I actually did sprints and half Ironmans locally. I never did an Olympic for some reason. Hmm. Um, and, and that was the start of triathlon. And I did pretty well in the local events. You know, I could definitely podium or win my age group and sometimes podium overall. And it just felt like it was fun. Above all, it was fun for me. And I love pushing myself. But then when you're doing well, and of course, I'm like a confident, achieving, high achieving individual, like very driven. I want to be good at it too. So if I'm good at something, it makes it even more fun. Yeah. So, um, that's kind of the start. Do you want me to keep going with like how I, I just, <laughs> can I have one follow-up question about this? Yeah. Yeah. This, this neighbor. Um, oh yeah. How, like that intrigues me. Um, she's like, I have a young teenager type. Yeah. How did, like, how did that happen? Was she, did you approach her or was she like, Hey, I want to help. Yeah. Yeah. So they, she lived across the street and I'm pretty sure speaking of church, she was in young women. So I think she was one of my leaders. 
but then also my parents were friends with them with uh the neighbor and her husband uh patrick and heidi are their names so my parents were friends with them and i think so i've been told my mom told me later on that um i think heidi had mentioned something to my mom about like oh i run every day after work i'm you know and she just said you should ask sky if she wants to run with you because i think she was mm-hmm. running alone after work and she's like 10 years older than me so there was an age gap but it's not like right huge like and she didn't have kids at the time so i don't know we were just i don't it was relatable enough i guess I, okay. i'm sure she i'm sure my t- teenage uh, conversation got boring at some points but she was like <laughs> yeah, really right. nice to always run with me and yeah she was a really good friend to me as a teenager cool. um and so then she was training for the salt lake city marathon and that would have been the 2005 marathon and she just asked like hey would you want to do this marathon with me? And nice. yeah, I wanted to. So I did it. Cool. That's how that went. Yeah. Nice. Chair, I know you got a question. Oh, well, I'm just curious. So at this point, like early in your career, you're still at Ernst & Young. Yes. Right? Yeah. And then at what point, how far in did you decide to just go all in on triathlon? When did that happen? Yeah. Um, so I started working at Ernst & Young in the summer of 2011. I graduated 2011 and just went straight into work. And I would say it was like um, three to four years in is probably about when I started feeling dissatisfied. I can't, I don't know exactly when, but I know it took me a long time to really make a decision of what I was going to do. And it, it just felt really risky. and gutsy to do what I wanted to do and just kind of um wrestling yeah it just (laughs) just wrestling with like oh my gosh I have I worked so hard to like I had a master's degree in tax and like my CPA license and this job and I worked so hard for all of that and here I am just wanting to essentially throw it all away and go chase triathlon and it just seemed crazy um but man something like in my gut was just like no you should do this you could do this and I so when I finally made the decision um it was the beginning of 2015 is when I when I was like okay I'm doing it it was before busy season so in tax busy season is like February to the tax deadline in March or April and I made the decision before busy season really got wrapped up um I reached out to a a local coach and I went and talked to my boss like all in the same like few days and worked out getting on a flexible work arrangement. So I went part-time at my job first. Um, And then I, but that part-time agreement didn't start till after busy season. So basically I agreed to finish that busy season. And then I was like, I need to do this. And this Mm. is what I'm doing. And yeah, so that's, there's the timeline. July, 2011, I started work by April, 2015, I was (laughs) part-time. And then I fully quit UI, like I think February, 2016. This That's is incredible. It is incredible. I, I agree. To, to it, do that. It's so impressive. I had Scott. some people encouraging me, like um, just people who maybe saw the bigger picture that were like, this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. You're, you would only regret not trying this, huh. you know, because young me, I would give the same advice to anyone now myself. Um, but I, I guess I just needed some people to be like, yeah, take a risk and I guess for me too, it was finally something that I really wanted to do because up until that point, it was like, 
I just kind of did the traditional pathway. Like I worked really hard. I went to school. I got my degree. I got my job. And while I was proud of all that and I enjoyed it all, like, I guess my passion was really in um, endurance sport. So mm. anyway, you had a question. No, I was just going to You have a good fallback. You definitely have a good yeah. fallback. <laughs> job, oh yeah, right? there's always jobs. That's the other thing is they're like, there's always going to be accounting jobs. Like, yeah. And, and frankly, like I worked, part-time on and off and from very part-time to like proper part-time when I say very part-time I mean like five hours a week to like actually part-time even until like 2020 and in fact during the pandemic I worked a busy season because there wasn't racing going on and I was kind of bored and I wanted to make money so yeah anyway always there (laughs) yeah I had a question um you can be honest here. You already said you would be honest. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> when, uh, when, when these people were encouraging you, are they yeah. seeing your passion? Are they seeing your Watts per kilogram? Are they seeing your, like, what are they seeing in you that they're like, no, you gotta, you gotta go for this. No, these are people who don't, these were people who definitely didn't know triathlon at all, or, mm. or I didn't even have a power meter. So there wouldn't even be <laughs> like a, <laughs> a Watts per kilo thing. Mm, nice. So. Yeah, no, it was just more people who, I guess, believed in me and maybe saw the passion that I had for that and maybe the dissatisfaction that I had sitting at my desk at that point, so. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So um, this leads to another question I had. So you've given up the corporate job, Mm -hmm. but as Stu mentioned, I follow you on Strava and social media. So I can see the kind of volume that you're doing. Yeah. And I look at those hours and that's just the actual training. Then we have massage, PT, the travel to and from races, training, um, press interviews, these fun podcasts, all this stuff (laughs) really adds up. Yes. So how do you, you know, given all the hours and energy that you're putting in, which is required to be one of the best in the sport, um, how do you then kind of still have a normal life? like help us understand? Well, I think normal is probably a relative term because my normal life right now is Hmm. anything but normal to most people. And while it's like, it's fun and it's uh, rewarding and it's kind of cool to be doing something so different, it is also challenging, right? Because I've lived a normal life. So I I can just think back on that and think of how, like, I love what I'm doing. And most of the time it's like, wow, I don't, I don't have to sit at a desk all day. I don't have a boss. Like I get to travel all these things, but there are a lot of trade-offs. So I don't have a normal life, but I try, I guess for me, I really try to figure out what's most important in my life right now, which is um, like sport performing triathlon. That is obviously very important, but then not the next important, but my husband and my marriage and my family, but mostly my husband is like the the most important thing that I know, like being happy in my personal life is most important because even, even if I'm killing it on the race course um, and my marriage is falling apart or something like that, like it's not, it's, I'm not going to be happy. Right. And -hmm. frankly, if your marriage is falling apart, then you're probably not killing it on the race course because mentally, Mm it just takes so much to perform. You have to be, um, very sound minded. And we, there's a saying, a happy athlete is a fast athlete. So I don't, I don't know. 
I literally like train, eat, sleep. And then <laughs> any extra energy I have, like goes to trying to spend time with my husband. Um, but even in really heavy training blocks, like it's tough. We don't, we don't spend a lot of time with friends and even family, frankly, like yeah. it's, I don't, it's hard. It's hard for people to relate and understand like how much fatigue I carry when I'm training really hard, even though I love it and it's enjoyable. Um, and people think, oh, well, you can like sit. And I'm like, well, sitting makes like all the blood and inflammation pool in my ankles. So I need to be laying down actually. <laughs> so it's just ridiculous. Like with it's my not legs ridiculous. Up. No, I need my legs up. I'm like, in my oh. boots. Yeah, like I can't, I don't want to go do that. Especially if I had a huge training day on my legs and then people yeah. want to do something. I'm just like, I can't. No. I can't do it. Can we do it like next week or definitely like the month leading into a really big race? It's just like, it's off limits. Like it's just, yeah. if I feel good and there's a day where it's lighter and I'm feeling really um, energetic and, 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 you know, you kind of feel like you need that social interaction and that energizing, you, you gain energy from relationships and things like that. Then it's like, go for it. But I do not put a lot in my schedule um, outside of training, eating and sleeping. <laughs> so, well, it sounds like you've sur surrounded yourself with people that, that understand that that's what is required to be at the level you're at. I mean, the people around you, they get it. Yeah. And I think that's one thing I've had to come to terms with, right. Because I kind of, I feel like a freak a lot of the times. Cause people are like, so like, what do you do? Or like, how do you make money? And they're like, Oh, so, you know, it's just kind of this foreign thing to a lot of people. And especially people who maybe don't you guys appreciate sport and endurance and you can understand wanting to spend hours on your bike and all that. But, um, a lot of times I just kind of feel like this crazy person. And I guess now that I'm actually <laughs> successful and like make a living at it, people understand more what I'm doing and why I do it. But like early days, it was just kind of like, what is she doing? Like, she's at, she's exercising all day. Cute, cute hobby sky. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I, I felt maybe it was a self-imposed feeling, but it's hard not to feel that way when people are just like, how do you, so how do you make money? Or like, yeah. what about anyway? Yeah. It's not normal. Definitely not. <laughs> but, but who you are is like, I mean, it makes sense. It's not normal. Like this is yeah. li like, you have to be this way to be you do. what you do. Yeah. I mean, it can't and be normal. You just have to figure out what works for you um like honestly i'm maybe too good at saying no to things and shutting everything out of my life and i've realized you know what for my own mental health and happiness i do need to make sure that i'm balancing that a bit better and just figuring out how to do that so hmm. it's a constant like give and take um and some things you know some things are worth it to go like we're big kendrick lamar fans and he came he came here to Salt Lake on August 24th and I knew I'd be like training hard. Uh, Kona, the Kona build would be starting, but I just said, you know what? We've waited years to be able to go to a Kendrick Lamar concert. <laughs> nice. You know, so you, you kind of have to pick and choose. So I love yeah. it. She decided not to have a hot dog at the concert, but when no, I had a salad, <laughs> oh, salad, perfect. <laughs> and fries. Is that lady wearing Norma tech boots? No, seriously. <laughs> I should have worn, I should have worn compression socks. Uh, Cause standing up, I just kept like standing up and sitting down the whole concert, nice. so. but I was there. <laughs> hey, so we watched you over the last two years, at least, I mean, I'm sure chair has too, but things have changed 
as you've really become successful in your career, maybe talk about what's what has changed. What are the biggest things that have happened that have propelled you to ninth in the world? And um, it, can we go there? Is that okay? Yeah, definitely. So okay. like, what did I change to get there or what has changed since I've been there? Both. Yeah. Okay. So I think changing to get there, um, it's just finding the right people and getting to that level of performance is what you have to do. Right. Um, I think at the beginning, I thought I would be able to get sponsors really easily. And I kind of tried to work my business side. Like I had this nice presentation to send to people. And I thought like, oh, there's so many local companies that do well, for sure. They'd want to sponsor me. And like, no one cares. No one's going to sponsor you. So (laughs) once I realized that like the most important thing I could be doing is just performing, um, I think that became the focus and not that I wasn't focused on performing, but I just realized, you know what, don't spend your time and energy trying to get sponsors right now. Just focus on being a better athlete because winning is what people care about. It's sport. Like that's just the fact. And sure. People like my story and can find inspiration, even if I don't win a race, but winning is what gets you recognized. Um, so I worked with a coach here locally until 2018. And then I shifted to a coach from Australia and he's still my coach currently. Um, and he just had a lot of experience in professional triathlon and just knew what it took to get those elite level performances. And when I say what it took, it's like the level of training and how much training and what kind of training. Um, so I saw dramatic improvements when I started with him and it's not to say that my past coach wasn't effective. Like no doubt what I was doing those years, I learned a lot and there were a lot of building blocks, um, you know, setting me up to continue to progress. So I think the coaching change was a big thing for me. Um, and then once you kind of just start seeing results and seeing that what you're doing is working, it's a really powerful thing and you just keep working hard and it's really motivating and all that. So, um, and I started traveling more and racing internationally and things like that. And that kind of helps get you recognized a bit more if you can get a result on a big stage like in Europe that that was pretty big for me yeah so um I guess that's how I got there and then other than just being driven to get there because that's why I wanted to do this Mm. but then once you're there like once once and not that I've arrived I could still improve a ton and things could still change a lot but to get where I am now it's like now I have sponsors, which makes a huge impact financially to have, to go from spending tens of thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars every year being a triathlete to then like having all of your gear paid for having sponsors paying you. Um, yeah. And then winning prize money and bonuses and all these things where I'm like actually making a living now. Whereas before I was still working accounting to pay for triathlon, (laughs) Like that's how it was the, mo- the first few years. So, well, more than few years. Um, so yeah, it provides me the opportunity to like really just focus on triathlon. Um, nice. Yeah, and not, not stress about making money because I can't, I'm like this super responsible financial person. So that's always a big key for me, right? Like I'm not going to just not care about my future and saving and I'm not going to go into debt at all for any of this. Just so that that's a big thing for me. And honestly, if you're spending this much time doing something, you better be making a living at it because 
<laughs> Otherwise, that's kind of just silly. It's not <laughs> smart, I don't think. Not that you can't spend a lot of time on your hobbies, but um, I certainly wouldn't still be doing it if I wasn't um, making a living at it. So yeah. yeah, there's just a lot more comfort and opportunities and things like that now for me. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't, so you wouldn't be out buying a purple glitter bike without. Some I money. probably wouldn't actually, I would be too cheap <laughs> to pay for like the custom paint job. I'd be like, so no, cool. I don't need it. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know in our audience, Sky's signature color is purple. Yes. So yep. if you see a super fast lady in a purple kit on a purple track, yeah, up and down the canyons, that is Sky. And I see her quite a bit in Mill Creek. Seems like you do a lot of. I do hill reps yes. of Mill Creek a lot. Yeah. Um, and that's partly I love Mill Creek, but it's also so close to my home. So. Yeah. Yes, purple bike. Um, my road bike isn't purple, but I think next year I'll be getting a purple road bike. So we'll we'll get the branding consistent across all bikes. It's imperative. <laughs> is there is purple significant in some ways? There reason, or you just like it? Yeah, not really. I mean. I've always liked the color and I, I just gravitate towards it. Um, it's a happy color. It is a happy color and it's not as common as other colors. I think personally, mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of people riding around on purple bikes um, <laughs> or, <laughs> or even like purple race kits. You don't see a ton. There are some, but um, yeah, it's just my color. Well, now it's your color. So nobody, nobody yeah, can. Yeah, obviously <laughs> I had a competitor reach out to me a couple months ago and was like, I think I want purple to be my color next year. And I was like, well, it's my color. color. (laughs) Uh, I'm like, I guess you can use it too. (laughs) Good for you. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah, seriously, it can be, it can complement one of your other colors, but (laughs) that's really funny. Yeah. Nice. Flattering, but (laughs) it's cause she's like, it just stands out and she goes, she's like, I look at your Instagram page and it's just so overwhelming. Cause it like, I have tons of purple, my bike's purple. I buy a lot of purple, my running clothes, a lot of them are purple. There's just a lot of purple going on. So, yeah. Um, hey, go ahead, Sharon. No, yeah. I was gonna say, we, um, you know, one of the things we definitely wanted to hit on and talk about was um, your long awaited debut to the Ironman World Championships this yes. year's opponent in October. And we'll talk a little bit later about why it was long awaited, but um, tell us about Kona. How was it? What were your takeaways? Kona was really cool to finally get to um, because it was delayed literally three years for me because of, we'll talk about my bike crash and then COVID for two years. And the cool thing for me about Kona was that it didn't end up being my first Ironman world championship because St. George hosted the world championship in May of this year. So it made... 2022, like a pretty big year, literally two world championships within six months. Um, But I appreciated that I got to experience a world championship on home kind of home soil and have it be slightly different than what has been, you know, the iconic race of triathlon. Um, Because I got to experience the level of competition that a world championship, an Ironman world championship brings. Everyone's fit. Everyone's trying to win. People are taking risks. They're pushing extremely hard. Like it was just, St. George was full on, Um, but I loved it. It was so fun. And so that gave me a preview of what kind of to expect at Kona. Although Kona is very different from, from like a conditions and part of the world standpoint. 
Um, so I would definitely say Kona lived up to its hype and expectations. And I can see why it's such like the pinnacle of the sport. Like people care about it and people flew in from all over the world to watch and race. And um, the island is definitely humbling on race day. Like the conditions, I love the heat, um, but I do think that it, it makes it tough for sure. The humidity and heat. Um, yeah, honestly, like getting there and training on the course, like the bike course is pretty much just the queen K. I don't know if you've been to Kona and that was a little underwhelming. I was like, really? Like, this is the race. This is where we race <laughs> the race of the sport. Like it's just this highway and there's so many cars on it and yeah. we're just like training up and down it. Um, I mean, I still love being there, but it was just kind of like, wow, this is different than on TV. Cause on TV, when you're watching it, there's no cars on it. So you, right. it's like you have in your head, it's just this nice road that you go out and ride. Um, and the energy yeah. lab too. I had like kind of these expectations about what the energy lab would be. And then you get yeah, out, just like, literally just black lava everywhere. Yeah. I guess the nice thing about the energy lab was that it was quieter from a car's perspective. No we yeah. training. Um, so yeah, it was really cool to see an experience and I like placing top 10 in the world sounds really good, but to me, I didn't have a great race for me. So like, I'm, I'm glad I got in the top 10, but I want to go and feel like I crossed the finish line and literally everything I could have done, I did. And not that I, not that I didn't do everything I could have done, but like, I want things I want to cross the finish line and not be like, oh, that wasn't my best. You know, like mm-hmm. um, it was what I gave in October this year. I gave my best on what I had that day, but I just know it wasn't my best period, you know? Yeah. So. What Like what, what happened? Oh, on the run, I got off the bike and I instantly had like super sharp stomach cramps and my legs just felt terrible, but that can turn around. So I was like, all right, we'll just keep running, keep fueling this can go away. A marathon's a long time. Like a lot can change. Um, and uh, my stomach just kept hurting worse and worse. And then at mile 10, I just projectile vomited like everything out on the queen K. Yeah. But then my stomach actually felt better. So that was kind of a relief. I'm like, all right, well now my stomach feels better, but now I just barfed up all my calories probably. So then I just focused on getting in calories and hoping my stomach wouldn't get upset again. Um, which it didn't, it was fine. Um, so then, yeah, I just tried to run my best for the rest of the marathon, but it was like one of my slowest marathons since my first marathon or since my first Ironman. So that's why I just know I could be so much better than I was. Do you think, I mean, I know it's so hard to know on the nutrition front, but Mm -hmm. do you think it's the heat that maybe exacerbated the sickness? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about the heat and the humidity particularly, because like I train in the heat here, hundred degrees, whatever in the summer, hard workouts and it's hot and it's challenging, but, um, I think the humidity, it just like gets you different. It penetrates you differently. So I think that was part of it. In hindsight, looking back, I think maybe, I don't know, how do you ever know? There's so many variables, but I think I would need to probably add more electrolytes into my nutrition plan because if you're putting in like so much water, but you're not actually absorbing it because you don't have the salt to absorb it, 
I'm not a scientist. So if someone like is listening to this, I'm like, no, Sky, you're wrong. Uh, just like <laughs> DM me and please tell me what I need to do. But I think I needed some more electrolytes to help me absorb what I was putting in um, the water, particularly because I was concerned about hydrating, right? I'm like, can't eat water. I need to stay cool. And then I have all my calories on top of it. So yeah, who knows? It could have been, it could have been anything, but um, that doesn't happen to me often. And in fact, it's never happened to me. So <laughs> really? Yeah. So but, you're, it's safe to say you're hungry to go back yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Especially like, the cool thing about this year, which this was my first year going to Kona, so I can't compare it to other years, but um, we mentioned how the women had their own race day this year. So I got to watch the men's race completely. So I raced on Thursday and then the men raced on Saturday. So I went and spectated, you know, I, I got to watch like the, in the entire thing. And that really put the race into perspective for me, like understanding how big of a deal it is, but then also appreciating that not everyone's going to have their best day. It made me appreciate my performance more basically because I was out there cheering for, you know, second place to 15th place. And I thought each one of them was awesome. Right. Like yeah. you just appreciate people are out there doing it. And sometimes I think, I mean, I'm a competitor and I'm it's sport. The winner is all that is ever remembered. So you want to be like, you want to win, you want to do your best and all these things. So I think, just realizing that it's not, it's not all about winning, right? Like part of it is everyone has to go there and take their shot and give their best and only one person's going to win. But that doesn't mean that your performance wasn't still admirable or, you know, worth being happy about. Yeah. So, yeah. That's tough. Um, as a follow-up to that. Yeah. Uh, even as an amateur, you know, um, I have my eyes set on this event and this event. Yeah. And it's like, okay, diet, my mechanical, my le everything, you know, even, uh, yeah. you want it. All okay. So I've even imagined like somebody that trains their life for the Olympics, you know, it's yes. like, dude, you got this one shot. Okay. Literally one shot. Right. I mean, how are you managing, how are you managing that? Um, mentally, is that something that you practice? Yeah. I mean, I think one of my strengths mentally is I'm really good at staying positive. And even though like with Kona, I kind of had to regroup and be like, you know what? I didn't have my best day, but it doesn't mean people aren't proud of me and happy for me. And I should be proud of myself and all those things. But I think I stay really positive and I just try to keep perspective as well. I mean, um, like, you can only compare yourself to yourself really. And like, what, what have you done better? How have you improved? Um, how did you handle the day? Cause we, we know ourselves the best and we know the attitude we carried throughout the day. And so, yeah, I just try not to obsess over things that are, that don't go right or that, or a result that isn't what I wanted. Right. Just trying trying to look forward, see how I can do better, of course, learn. And you have to acknowledge when something doesn't go well, right? Or if you made a mistake or whatever, you need to acknowledge it, but you don't need to just beat yourself up over it. Um, and fortunately for me, I'm not doing the Olympics. So I race, what, eight or nine times a year. So there's a lot of opportunities to have a good performance, but some performances matter more than others, right? Like a good Kona performance matters more than 
say the, the race I just did over the weekend. So, right. um, yeah, I think positivity is a big thing. Very good. Chair, any, any thoughts on that? You've done a lot of events, a lot of races. <laughs> How do you make sure when the wheels fall off chair, what do you do? You know, I think that's the funny thing is these races, like problem solving is a yes. big component, right? And to what Sky said earlier, like it is a really long day, like anything can happen. And I just always remind myself, like it's not over till it's yes. over, right? Like there might be one person you need to catch. You're feeling terrible. The gap is widening, but then something happens and you feel good again. And so I think, um, I would just say it's it's just maintaining like getting the headspace right and dialed in before the race starts. You yeah. know, you're already kind of starting to think through scenarios and things that can happen, not necessarily all negative, but like if this happens, what would I do? And then during the race, it's just kind of pulling out that toolbox and like problem solving, right? Totally. In that attitude. Totally. Problem solving is huge. It's and when I was reading over like the notes for this, um, like you, I wanted to bring up what you just said, like go through scenarios in your head. Like, okay, if I get a flat tire, what am I going to do? Um, if I don't make the front pack in the swim, what am I going to do? Like what you just, you just have to have, you have to be prepared for anything so mm -hmm. that you don't like emotionally react, um, to, to something that happens. And I think the other thing with racing that you, you kind of start to realize is that like people who win these big races, it's like, they usually have really special good days, you know, or mm -hmm. like, obviously they've trained really, really hard, but there's a lot that has to, there's a lot that goes right. And that not the, and, and sometimes you don't have control over everything. Right. So there's a lot that has to go right to kind of put together these like iconic performances and certainly I've had performances that I'm like that was an amazing day for me that was perfect but most of the time that's not the case like you don't have a perfect day most races so yeah cool um I was gonna ask about I've got a couple of paragraphs but I think it might be fun to talk about well not fun uh <laughs> your your crash I don't even... yeah yeah <laughs> chair do you want to ask that, that question yeah so I know you were kind of gearing up for Ironman World Championships in 2019 and like, I think about a month before the race, you crashed in Mill Creek. Yes. And I know you had a lot of injuries um, among those, a broken collarbone, elbow and thumb. Yeah. I have done all of those things. Oh my God. Right? But not in one day. <laughs> so I can't, I can't. Please tell me it wasn't a deer, around. Sky. You didn't hit a no, deer, did you? Oh, okay, uh, no, good. I don't think so. I actually... So it was two and a half weeks before the race. It was like a oh. week before I was supposed to fly to Kona. Um, I don't know exactly what happened. I have no memory of the crash, but, um, I have like my suspicions, I guess, of what I think may have happened. I actually think now that the carbon in my handlebar may have failed. Um, and like, mm -hmm. if I, I hit a bump, just the way the bike was damaged and the way the carbon was, um, cracked the way it looked, um, mm -hmm. Anyway, I won't know for sure ever, but it was definitely a freak accident. Whatever it was, it was a freak accident. It, there wasn't a car and I don't think there was a deer. Um, so yeah, what was the question though? Like, how did I do well, it? So I, I just wanted to hear about the crash and then oh, yeah. kind of talk to us about like your attitude through recovery, like what that yeah. road was like. Yeah. 
So it was definitely a devastating crash because like you mentioned, it was so close to Kona. My first experience going to Kona um, felt really fit. was really that like my career was really on an upward trajectory that year. So it just really put a halt to all the momentum and you had several big wins leading up to that. Yeah. Yeah. Like podiums wins. It was a really good year. Um, so that really just stopped all that momentum and I was devastated to not get there, but honestly, I was so grateful to one, be alive and two, not be paralyzed because Mm -hmm. I just like had seen people recently who had been paralyzed in bike crashes or just had, you know, just completely devastating injuries. And, you know, when I was in the ER and ICU and all that, I didn't quite understand how difficult my injuries would be for me, but, um, I just immediately shifted my focus to my recovery. Like there was so much to be grateful for and bones heal and there's physical therapy and there's all these things that are, you know, you're, you're going to get back. It was just a matter of being patient, letting time heal and doing all of the the physical therapy I needed to do to get back. Um, So really, I think I, people are like, oh, that must've been so hard. And it was hard, but honestly, I focused, there were so many little victories along the way in my recovery because there was so much I couldn't do. Um, My poor husband, Matt, he literally had to do everything. And I'm talking everything for me because (laughs) I broke my collarbone and my elbow on one arm and then my thumb joint on this hand. So then like this was completely wrapped up in this huge thing. Like I, I had no upper body abilities at all. So I couldn't go to the bathroom. I couldn't brush my teeth. I couldn't feed myself. Like I eventually figured out how to like hold a fork between these fingers or something. And I was, I could like feed myself with this hand. Um, Like even putting my hair in a ponytail, I couldn't do that. Like Matt was doing that. And if you ever want to like test your marriage, have your husband do your hair. (laughs) Like seriously. I'm like, there's a bubble. Ask AJ about it. Ask AJ about yeah, last okay, year, I will. all the things he had to do for me with my broken hand. I remember. <laughs> Seriously. And then like, I got the zipper front sports bras because I, um, I wanted to like go for walks and things, but I couldn't even do anything. So zipper front sports bras are like money. <laughs> if you're a woman and you, I remember, um, I almost texted Stu's wife, Kristen, because I couldn't tie my shoes. No. And I really, really wanted to go for a run. And I, I literally could not get my shoes tied. You should call me next time. I'll come get it. <laughs> you would understand. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. But point being, there were so many little things to be excited about, like being able to brush my own teeth or whatever. Um, there were just so many amazing milestones. And I also had like surgeries and things like that along the way to look forward to. Um, and I anytime like my doctor probably thought I was a total psycho but I'm like okay so when can I swim again like the day I can swim again I'm going to the pool and okay when can I run again I was just constantly every doctor's appointment I literally had like this huge list of questions of things I needed answered because I was just very engaged in my recovery and I wanted to get back as quickly as possible so it was a good experience and um I wouldn't want to go through it again but I definitely learned a lot and I felt a lot of love during that time as well. That was kind of the silver lining. Like you don't realize how many people really care about you and support you and want to see you do well. Um, 
until like these bad things happen almost more so than like winning a race you feel mm-hmm. more love when you're really down <laughs> down and out um than if you're if things are all going well so yeah that was cool very cool i mean sucky but cool no very yeah cool. like i there were a lot of positives again yeah. there, there was a lot i didn't die and honestly dude as people a, die in milk creek i mean that uh, is oh, yeah and, we're all we all ride bikes there's there's horrible things that can happen um death obviously being probably the worst of them but we can't live our lives worrying about that but i immediately recognized like i was just so glad that i wasn't dead (laughs) yeah hey well um i asked sky to prepare some advice and i kind of left it up to her to determine what to share whether it was training or race day or how she trains her mind. Um, so I'll, maybe I'll just turn it over to you, Sky, to share if you've got some stuff prepared uh, for advice for the team. Yeah, um, I think my biggest advice for athletes and endurance athletes and things like that, um, I and I just talked about this, but staying positive is just so important. I see people in sport and in triathlon and they get really negative about like, oh, this person did this or, oh, you know, they can just like fixate on all these negative things. And I just have to step back and say, like, we're doing this because we love it and because it's fun. And yes, that doesn't mean you can't be upset about some things or sad that you didn't have the race you wanted. But um, if you're not getting a lot of joy out of what you're doing, then why are you doing it? So I think just, just remembering we love what we're doing this because we love it. And so it should be a very happy and positive experience. Um, And that goes for training. Um, you know, like if a session doesn't go well, don't finish the session the best you can and move on. Like there is no point dwelling, um, or psychoanalyzing what happened. You know, we have off days, maybe you didn't get good sleep. Maybe you didn't feel properly that day. And so what, there's a new day tomorrow. Like everything does not have to go perfectly. Um, and that, and that goes for race day too. So training racing, I just think positivity is a huge tool for getting the best out of yourself. Because I think it enables you to also be really consistent, which is a very important uh, thing with being an athlete is just simply being consistent um, day in, day out. And then um, tips and tricks for recovery. People ask me this a lot. They're like, oh, what's your recovery tool? Like the massage gun or the boots and all these things. And like, yes, I have all those things, but literally my non-negotiables are eating and sleeping. Like there's so much power in like after a hard session, getting calories in immediately is like, it makes such an impact on the recovery. Um, not to mention like fueling the session as well, but like getting those recovery calories in, whether it's a recovery shake or just having a meal ready right away, it, it makes a huge difference. Um, and then sleeping, it's just, I know I'm privileged in that this is all I do and I don't have kids at the moment and I'm not juggling a lot, but even I have to like put the phone down, turn the TV off, you know, things like that. It's easy to just waste away another half an hour to an hour of precious sleep time. And that can do wonders for recovery and improvement. So those are my secret, you know, my silver bullets to recovery is just sleeping and eating. Um, (laughs) I just can't emphasize it enough. Do you track your sleep and recovery at all with like an aura ring or a whoop or? Yeah, my Garmin does it. Ah. Yeah, so I wear this um, and it tracks my HRV. Um, So yeah, I really like 
following those. I, I really look forward to waking up and seeing how my sleep was. And usually you can tell, right, uh, if you slept well or not. But I, I do like seeing that. And I love seeing my HRV trend and things like that. So, but w- the important thing, like, I love tracking. I love it. But we know our bodies best. And there's a lot to be said for just like listening to your body or yeah, knowing when you need more sleep and more recovery versus just hammering out another training session. Yeah. So. Um, Sky, great advice. Very good. I am uh, I have a very serious, well, she's gonna listen. So my okay. wife is my wife is very serious. She's a she pretends to not be a serious athlete. I love to be a supportive husband. Uh, yeah. yeah. What advice would you get? Let's say you're just giving it to me. What mm. does your husband do um, from the sense of, I want Sporting. you to be in, yeah, I want you to be incredible. I'm sure he trains. He's probably fit, but uh, how do you guys manage that? Um, I think what my husband does a really good job at is just like, he just simply supports me. Right. And he understands that this means a lot to me and it's important that I make it a priority for it to be worthwhile for me personally. So I think, again, I have the privilege of like, this is my job. So it just takes over everything. (laughs) But I think like if, if you were supporting your wife, I think making sure that you guys both have the time set aside. And I don't know if you have kids, but like just balancing, okay, you go get your ride this weekend and maybe I'll ride on Zwift for a couple hours instead while you get out and do your thing. If someone needs to stay home or just, just making sure they have the time and like guilt-free. Right. I've, right. I've heard a lot of women say they feel like a lot of guilt getting out and doing things because they leave their family and their kids. And mm-hmm. it's really important that women get to go feel empowered and be an athlete. I think there's a lot of empowerment doing sport. Yeah. So, um, but I will say the other thing my husband is really helpful with is he cooks dinner every night that was mm. one thing that I was like, if you really want to help me nice every night. So like <laughs> he has dinner ready for me. He asked me what time I want it ready um, based on my training. And um, it's usually ready. So if you can do that, if you can help with uh, all the cooking, I think that's helpful. That's awesome. Because it, the thing is, is I actually really like cooking. Um, but for me to finish a training day and then spend like an hour cooking in the kitchen on my feet after training like it's one it's a lot of work and two it delays me getting the those recovery calories in <laughs> so yeah. if i can like walk in from training and dinner's almost ready or already on the table then um that's really nice so yeah very cool nice good i don't that's not like profound that was great. advice but no yeah. that was good hey uh 2023 can i read this little quote from you and then we'll wrap up yeah. Yeah. This is okay. a little quote where I was like, where did I, when did I say that? But it sounds <laughs> I just, like me. <laughs> I just made it up. No, just kidding. <laughs> it, uh, so Sky said, when I started, when I started, my goal was I want to get to Kona and then top 10 at Kona. And I've achieved that. Now I want top five at Kona. I want to be fighting for the podium at Kona. She said, I hope at the very least I can inspire other people to chase their dreams and do things that feel impossible. Don't let anyone stop you. Maybe talk about that. Like 2023, what do you see? What's in store for what what you hope to accomplish? Yeah, I mean, a, a bigger, better performance at Kona is definitely something that I want to accomplish next year. Um, for sure. And it's funny because I remember when I thought getting a top 10 at Kona would just like blow my mind. So it is, 
I have to remember that that was actually a huge goal for me years ago. Um, and like it is mind blowing to the rest of us. <laughs> <I know. It is. laughs> in 2019, like a top 10 would have just been out of this world for me. Yeah, so we're not talking about like the Yuba triathlon. Yeah. So yeah, a, a good Kona performance, but, um, I don't know if you guys, how much you follow triathlon, but the professional triathletes organization, um, has a race series that they are building on next year. They had two races this year and there'll be more next year. So those are like really big prize money, really big race fields, a competitive fields, I guess I should say, because they draw, they have such a big prize purse. Like every race is a million dollar prize purse. So I really, um, it's a huge opportunity for athletes in triathlon right now to be part of the, the professional triathletes organization and doing those races and the races are based, like you can only do the races if you're a certain ranking. So I fall within the ranking to go do that. Um, so I really want to do more of those races and perform better at them. I only did one this year and it wasn't that great. So I really want to go and be part of those events and have really good races. And I think the other thing for me, and I kind of touched on this earlier, but I want to feel like I'm still improving in the sport um, getting those gains, I said it, getting those gains now is harder than it was three years ago or four years ago when there was so much to gain, but I want to feel like I'm still improving because triathlon really is growing a lot. And the caliber of athlete is going up. You know, we're, we attract a lot of collegiate swimmers and collegiate runners and, um, the triathletes who go to the Olympics, which is completely different to what I do. You know, they're moving up to doing these longer course races that I compete in. So the level of competition is getting higher and higher. So I want, I want to keep up with it, at least like be in touch. Right. Um, and I recognize that I'm fortunate to be performing where I'm at, but I want to keep improving. So, and I, whatever that looks like, right. I have ideas in my head, but the simple answer is I just want to keep, I want to see improvements in my performances. Nice. Yeah. Well, we can't well wait to welcome you on our big mountain training sessions. That will. Oh my gosh. I love really... big mountain. <laughs> Seriously. I want to ride with more people. I guess that's another goal of mine is like just really trying to enjoy the communities that I can be a part of and the community that sport brings because I am good at saying no, and I am good just doing my training. And most of the time I need to just do my training, right? I can't just be out on group rides anytime there's a group ride. Um, but it is, it is really fun to get out and connect with people who share a passion. So, yeah, yeah. I did. Cause I did see you went on the ride with the, um, awesome. Yeah. And the guy, the oh, good guys so from New York. So cool. That was awesome. Yeah, that was so much fun. And that's kind of what made me realize I'm like, man, this is actually so fun riding with people because I don't, not that I don't have people to ride with, but I do a lot alone or I do a lot with my one training partner who lives here. And yeah, it's, it's good to expand your social networks and just join in the camaraderie you feel and the friendships that you can build are important in life. I agree. Chair, any final questions before we wrap up? Um, curious. Yeah. How long do you see yourself doing this? That is a good question. And like, so I'm 34 now and probably at the beginning of my triathlon journey, I maybe would have thought, you know, I'll like do this till I'm 35 and then probably call it good. Hmm. Um, 
and but part of that was because I always thought that I would want to have kids and not try to go back to sport like I thought I'll have kids and then I don't want to I don't want to juggle both like I know how hard it is training as an athlete and all of that without kids but there's a lot of amazing moms in the sport now that are just like showing what's possible and not to say it's easy but now I feel like okay I could have a baby and come back and still maybe even be better than I was before. Well, and maybe win the Ironman World Championship. Right, exactly. I don't know. So, yeah, so Chelsea Sodaro, she's the American. She won Kona this year and has an 18-month-year-old. Um, and she's an extremely talented athlete in her own right anyway. Like, she ran professionally, and she's an incredible athlete. But point being, like, it's cool to be a mom, and it's cool to be a mom in sport, and – I think the support is getting better and better for mothers to come back. Um, so I don't have an answer for how long I want to do this. I think, I don't know when, but like, I think I would, when I have my first child, I would come back from that still. If I had a second child, I'm not sure I would try to do that because I've heard <laughs> two is a lot more than one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even have one, but I don't have a timeline for any of those things, but um, yeah. There's You're no already doing it longer than you thought you might, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I just think you can't, you can't just like put a hard stop on something because you, you have to listen to like your heart and your gut. Like you're, you'll know, I will know when I'm like, you know what? I just don't want my life to revolve around training anymore because mm. there's, there's other things I know I want to accomplish and other challenges that I'll want to try to, tackle so yeah nice. i'll just i'll just know when it's done <laughs> it's a good answer when you're yeah. just when you're just fried when 30 hours a week <laughs> just doesn't look fun anymore no yeah you just have to know when the drive isn't there and yeah yeah cool all righty sky thank you okay yeah thank you thank you, you. On, we you hope to see you on a ride yeah we're yeah, on, definitely we can't wait to, what do we do? Do we add her to our group me chat chair? Oh, do we please add? don't do that to her. <laughs> oh yeah. That would, no, that would definitely me. distract you. That would be a bad idea. Well, no, I have like, um, I guess that probably wouldn't be effective. I'm going to group me met, like group with my family and yeah. I'd never, I'll log in and there's like 400 messages. Yeah. Like, no, oh, you, <laughs> so you don't want to be added to a, a group like me with 180 a people. Yeah. Okay. I just need someone to text me. I'll just text like, you. <laughs> yeah. Fun. Well, we're sure great. We're your biggest fans. It's really Thank fun you. to finally have you on. And yeah. I mean, you are our neighborhood Iron Man. This is oh, so man. cool. <laughs> and definitely say hi if you see me out there. I'm okay. not. I'm not like ew. Don't talk to me. Like no. I'm. It's nice to have connections and feel part of the community. So cool. Thank yeah. you, Scott. Appreciate you. Bye. Thanks so Thank much. You. You're welcome.